good. So, hey, folks, welcome to our weekly podcast. Good to have you here with us. I am Graham. We've got Joel and Rebecca and Kylie is coming in on Zoom. So it's good to be here with you. What we're trying to do every Tuesday, that we might take a break over Christmas, is um, just have a fun conversation about Jesus and life and ministry and how we walk out our Christian life, how we grow about ministry inside of baseball conversations. So we're going to try to do this live soon. Joel and I are actually speaking. We're going to set up a podcast studio in my church here in Sturbridge and uh, really set it up nice so we and others can come in and do live streams and phone people in and do other things there. But, um, but we're glad you're here. So, hey, let me do a few quick things before, some housekeeping things before we do that. If you're on a social media uh platform, uh, please share this and like it and share it and give it a thumbs up and all of those good things. Subscribe. Um, you can get me. I'm spending most of my time on Twitter these days. Twitter's got really nice after being really horrible for a while. So um, I'm on Twitter. That's my main place. Any place you guys want to plug? Where can people connect with you? There we go. Um, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> You on Facebook? Uh, We're going to pray for Rebecca. (laughs) 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 We're going to talk about deliverance as a topic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. upgrade. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, mostly you can find me on Instagram. I mainly use Instagram. Um, Probably I I, I need to use Facebook, so you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and shortly Twitter. Yeah, Joel is actually really big on TikTok in North Korea. (laughs) Large <laughs> 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 following. <laughs> and, uh, that's actually not true. But <laughs> Kelly, any way people can connect with you, or you're on Instagram? Yeah, I'm you? on Facebook, uh, Instagram, <coughs> and I restarted the Twitter. But yeah. I'm not really oh, that's right. Yeah, I saw you there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Twitter. Yeah, I like Twitter. Uh, I'm not confused yet on Twitter. I'm spilling coffee here. So today we thought we'd talk about, uh, what are we going to talk about? <clears throat> talk about spiritual disciplines and the practice in the presence of God and how we, how we can build a healthy spiritual life. That kind of work. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's good. And you know, I think it'd be actually good if we try to be honest and practical about what works, where we fail, what we've learned on that journey. So... Uh, why don't I kick us off with a few ideas and then everybody jump in, lots of questions or suggestions and see where we go with that. But um, yeah. I, mean, I, I think in one way, one of the, I was preaching about this recently, but um, I think when we get Jesus, we get everything. We actually get his spiritual life, don't we? Like in a sense, like when a baby's born, let's say, let's say mom and dad get married, have a baby. And um, in a way, the baby like comes into the world, into this pre-made family, this pre-made love, this pre-made fellowship. And we were, we've been born again in a way. Please don't write to me on theological things with this, but there's always been the Trinity. And then we've been adopted in the beloved. So it's like Father, Son and Spirit for all eternity loving each other and then we've been placed in the middle of that and I actually think it's really great to figure out we don't need to work on our spiritual relationship we've already got it we've arrived we, we've 
we've of his fullness have we received we've got nothing to kind of like i'm building a relationship with god the kind of thing no what we've actually got to do is enjoy the one we have and unpack it and um flourish and, and drink of the cup he's already been given us in a way so i think we get everything as a gift and we're not it's so important when we talk about this stuff we're not i've got to read my bible so god will love me no, it's rather like God loves me, but when I read my Bible, I find out more about his love for me. So it's actually really vital that we do that. Um, I, again, just thinking a few thoughts out loud and love to have you guys come back. And I would say the measure of our life is every day as well. Like, I think it's really easy. I, I feel I've lived that way for years. And I've also, because I'm a pastor, I see it in other people. Most people, if you said like, how much time did you spend with God yesterday? They tell me how yesterday is really busy and it was a snow day, and blah, 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 but they really, it's like they have, like Charles Dickens said, great expectations of, but in a couple of days, I'm, man, I'm going to be on fire. I'm going to be doing that. And the problem is we can spend our whole lives there, can't we? Where we, I mean, I'm just, everybody's like that. No, everybody is like that. Where they can, you can kind of feel like I'm sort of failing right now, but really soon I'll be at the gym every day. I'll be, eating greens i'll be you know whatever it needs to be spiritually speaking and uh, i think we've actually got to pull that thing from the future into the now yeah and uh so i would say in one way we're gonna <laughs> joel's feeling all this condemnation <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm talking about me um i would say our challenge is to you know, build a, in some ways, our walk with God is like the cumulative measure of, let's say, the last, you know, 100 days or whatever figure we want to put on that, where, you know, in the same way as our health kind of reflects, it's not having a really healthy day, but what we've done for the last weeks, months, or even years, you know, the way you get healthy isn't by going on some crazy diet or whatever, it's consistently doing the right things, isn't it? And I, I think to live a spiritual life that where we where we all want to be is we've got to bake that into a day and, and like find a place of practicing our spiritual life in a day. And I, I think I would also say, I just feel the little thoughts on them, but I'd also say like any relationship, it's not, it's, I don't want to say it's boring, but it's, life isn't always like a mountaintop thing, isn't it? Life isn't always like some first date or some passionate thing, you know, life's also washing dishes and, um, you know, just doing, doing life, regular things like marriages that work aren't always about this, you know, crazily staring in each other's eyes. It's paying bills and driving and shopping and, you know, life. And I, I think kind of God wants to walk with us in that way where it's actually, there are mountaintop experiences, but there are just daily walk with him and um, bringing him into the boring things of life. So, um, so my last thought on this as well, I, I think there's a danger for all of us where we can, um, I lost my glasses there, but we, um, there we I think sometimes we the, the perfect is the enemy of the good, that kind of principle, where sometimes I think we can live with an idea of like, I'm going to just float on this carpet and speak in tongues and live in the glory of God and I, I won't need to eat anymore. And, you know, it's like, and because we've made this sort of like idol of what we think that should be, we don't, we don't actually do the more mundane things with God. So I think sometimes we can live with a future idol rather than a present 
warts and all relationship with him. But uh, any thoughts, you guys, on that, or what are your, what have we learned? What are struggles? What are? I, I, I would say that the last the last point you made just there was the, the last point you made just there was actually actually really good. That we sometimes have like future idol and we forgot the, the present and. I feel like in our relationship with God, it's really easy to see the bigger picture and to be like, yeah, I yeah. want to. And I feel like we're talking about ministry today too. And mm-hmm. when you want to do, want to, want to go into ministry, or want to, you want to be part of of the ministry. I want to work for the kingdom of God. And and you have a, you, you see this this bigger calling, like this bigger destiny for your life. And you're like, yeah, amazing. But you you forget that there is milestone you need to meet, and there is those like, yeah. The present right now, you need to go in the presence of God and 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 grow in Him and with Him. And I feel like I've I've the last three months I've sometimes lost myself into yeah this is gonna happen we're gonna see that we're gonna see that we're gonna see that and I've I've forgot that I just need every day to come back to Jesus to come back to Him to come back to the to the Word and just mate it on Him and just get to know Him and and I feel like sometimes you you get lost in the future idol. And you forgot the present, and that's really important to come back and to see that there is milestone, and there is everyday life and everyday um, relationship with God, and it's not only about the bigger calling and the bigger picture. It's about walking every day in the presence of God and and growing every day in the presence of God. And yeah, and, yeah. And if, yeah. and if I if I if I can, I was I was talking with friends on Saturday on on the call, and it was really good and. And we were talking about there is two dim- dimension to our walk with God. There is the first one where everyone is called to, like relationship with God yeah. and living in the abundance of who He is and living in the Word. And and there is a second dimension of different calling and different destiny and different. And mm-hmm. we always we we not always we usually forgot the first dimension and we want to jump into the second one into the big calling into the yeah. And when we need to go through the first one, which is like. Everyone needs to go to the first one, which is knowing him, getting the world, believing in him, yeah. and, and practicing um, a, a real um, spiritual life. And I feel like when you step in the first dimension, then God will bring you to the second dimension, yeah, which is no, the bigger that's, calling. That's, and that's the, really important. Yeah. And the warrior destiny. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think I think it's so, it's so easy in ministry to start chasing, I mean, things that God has called us to, but they're not... Yeah the point or the not we'll never be happy by getting them like no amount of people in a church or you know people in a hall or people coming to christ or books or whatever that may be that god has legitimately called us to will make you happy and we that's true and it, it also sort of becomes counterintuitive as well that the people who are really happy in the walk with god actually end up having the church that's flourishing or the things that are working yeah. anyway and it's sort of like we can sometimes it's like we try to neglect our relationship with God because we're chasing ministry things but it's actually from that relationship with God that the fruitfulness exactly. in ministry and what comes anyway so it's, that's a no-brainer but it's and if we come to the other subject which is how do you do ministry when you have a job when you have like uh-huh. a full-time job a family and and I really think that you need to you need to like really step in the first dimension and then out of this uh, like you said out of this God will make a way and God will open the door for you to step like um, gradually gradually into mm-hmm. the second dimension and, and sometimes 
I think I don't know, but I would say if you have a full time job, and you, you want to do ministry. Like I need to stop everything. I need to go to full time ministry. But I would say maybe just start doing everyday ministry in your own life, in your family, in your job, and God will. Because you live in that place where you have a, a deep spiritual life and you know Him and you know the Word, then out of this place you can mm-hmm. go to second dimension and and then go into full time ministry. Yeah. Just come back to the daily thing though. Like like and Rebecca Carrie, any thoughts on? Like it's, so, it's funny. I asked Joel this question earlier, so <laughs> not that one. <laughs> the one like like what would an ideal day look like? What would what would like a really good day? What would a there's a Lou Reed song, It's Such a Perfect Day. It's such a perfect day. But like, what would a, not a perfect day, like in sinless, but I mean, what would a, what would a, if, if we could define a really great day with God that would be our normal for the rest of our life, you know, what would that, what would that look like? Any thoughts on that? Um, for, uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. A good day for me would be waking up, um, talking to God, Jesus being the main focus, and then that that feeling inside, like that joy, joyful feeling, yeah. that's like the number one, and just constantly riding on that wave throughout the whole day, and, and not really letting the negative, or just no negative, just mm-hmm. comes just on that on that high with yeah. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sounds a great day to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Kylie, you, what would your ideal day look like? Um... You know, I've learned over the years to um, keep things simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and maybe it's just my personality as well. Um, but for me, it, it really is just about in the morning, just recentering. Um, you know, I can wake up with a gazillion things yeah. going on or expectations, um, but definitely for me the day is really just starting the morning with a good cup of tea because i'm a tea drinker not a coffee drinker so good cup of tea Mm -hmm. sitting in my chair and just having a few moments just to center my thoughts and everything on god's presence and i know when i do that i um i really set my day when i don't do that i do tend to get more like worked up about things Mm -hmm. or have that sense of hurry or just not that sense of peace. Yeah. Um, so a good day for me really is just waking up earlier than the rest of the family mm. and just having that time, even if it's five minutes or ten minutes, um, generally I'm able to have that half an hour. Um, but it really focuses my day and it reminds me of, like I'm an I'm, you know, ex-nurse, so I, I kind of think yeah. about what, the priorities, like the triage, like what are, what are my priorities for the day and invite God into that yeah. space. So that's kind of a practice I do each day to say, what what are your priorities for me today? Like mm-hmm. I have mine, or I think I know what mine are. But yeah. what, So it's inviting him in to, to even reset what I think. Um, and honestly, I don't do that every day, but I notice that when I do, say, what do you want? What are your priorities today? Like he's pretty... Um, good with resetting like even some of my thoughts and he's like well don't do that today so I have almost a, a rhythm to my life that is not as not as full anymore I think maybe it could be just my stage of life or um, just where I'm at personally but I have learnt over time to say yes and no to things 
Yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot better to, in terms of what I say yes to and what I say no to. Mm-hmm. I think when I was younger, I used to say yes to everything because my heart was, yes, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to be involved in all yeah. sorts of things. But I've learned over time to be more thoughtful about where my time is spent. Mm-hmm. And um, when I invite God in to say, what what do you want me to be doing? Is it these things or half these things I find I'm just learning a rhythm of life that is yeah. probably um, just more purposeful, I think I'm trying to say. And um, so a good day for me is really about um, thinking in the morning about what's going on for the day mm-hmm. and then thinking, are some of these things unnecessary? Mm-hmm. Are some of these things necessary? And, and just being aware of, I ask myself a question each day, and maybe it's just me, but who do you want me to love is something I ask each day. Or who do you want me to love today? And it might just be, you know, my daughter's sick at school and the nurse calls me and I'm I'm Mm -hmm. going to her. Like, it's not the grandiose, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to love the world or go out to the supermarket and preach and and pray for people. Maybe it is just Mm -hmm. my own daughter who needs me today. So I just kind of take that time in the morning. Yeah, that makes good. sense. And yeah. ask a couple of questions. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was. Uh, I love the uh, the message translation of Matthew eleven. You guys will have heard it, but uh, let me just read that. It says, um, "Are you tired, worn out, burnt out? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me." Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's like really cool. The unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. I think it says Jesus was... I mean, you probably say Jesus, like, for the three and a half years, was the most... I mean, like, I, I always meet people who are like, oh, I'm going through all this spiritual warfare. I, I can't usually relate to that. But Jesus went through more spiritual warfare than anybody for three and a half years, didn't he? I mean, in one way, he should have been the, the sickest person on planet Earth, for at least, because every day he had, like, yeah. people coughing and had, like, <laughs> you know, like germs or like, lepers, like, sneezing on him and, you know, all this sort of stuff. He's got constant, like, people, yeah, 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 like, wanting his attention. Um... And yet, he probably was the freest person who'd ever lived. I mean, I don't think, Je- I think Jesus was unrushed. He was unhurried, wasn't he? Remember, like Lazarus's tomb. He's like, Lazarus is dead. And he's like, oh yeah, we've got this. Let's, let's, we're not, we don't need to rush or... Yeah. And, I, and then he says, learn of me and like live life as I do. So I think we've got to go to the Jesus Christ Bible School of Unforced Rhythms of Grace. Um, yeah, I, I've been I know. sitting in that mm-hmm. for a while, just thinking and, and really just thinking about yeah, how that, to Yeah, that's sort of worth yeah. reading through for that passage until it sinks through. I, I know for me that there's a few things I've got to do. For, for me to have a really great day, I think that, I say repentance, but that thing of, of having a completely blank slate with God is really important to me. Because I, I think once you, it's like mess or lateness or any, once you begin to tolerate like a little bit of junk, it just like, 
you know, it just fills everything. So I, I think having that, again, it's so easy to be religious about that, I know, but having that place where there's just nothing between you and God is like so amazing, mm. isn't it? And we you know that, or even, I think at times people are in that place from God's point of view, but they're not from themselves. So they're experiencing condemnation or the accuser of the brethren or all that. And even if God's like, no, I'm like, you're all set, you're good. And But if you think this, if you're feeling shame and condemnation, you know, that that's a train wreck, isn't it? So I, I think every day coming back to that place where, I mean, that's why his mercies are new every morning. I think there's literally, yeah. give us this day, your daily bread. There's some like daily, yeah. I think God in his wisdom yeah. baked things into those daily things, those weekly things. There are things that even God chose in the, his time frame. So I think doing that. I, I think yeah. one thing that really makes a difference to me is worshipping all day long, is try to be in that place where um. Yeah. If I could, for me, a perfect day would be a day of worship and then I fit other things around worship. And I think it's not that hard to do, actually, but it is, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, to some degree, every few minutes, we're like, Lord, I love you. We're just like in that place. And I, I think the more we do that, the more that we keep doing it and the easier it gets to be. And then mm-hmm. I find when I'm in that place, everything that hits me is just easy, is a joke, is yeah. not. So, uh, yeah, I remember something you told me years mm. ago that has never left me. And it was um, when the Lord said to you, never get more than 10 minutes away from me. It was 15, but I know you mean. 15? <laughs> I shortened it. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, that's it. 10 is better. 10 is better. <laughs> but it was something you said years ago that has never left me. And mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I, I don't live that out each day, but I mean, um, I don't. But I it, it's really it's good great principle. principle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think like with the, when you talk about worship, like there's something I think about: do whatever you do mm-hmm. to the glory of God. Like, yeah, I mean, we talk about ministry and stuff, but you know, I've struggled over the years. Being, you know, I love my kids and I love being home, but it's it's this struggle has been in me, like. What does even ministry look like? You know, there are certain seasons of my life where I just <clears> want to, yeah. you know, get so involved in planting churches or being on mission. And I think God was trying to take the limits off yeah. um, my understanding of what worship and ministry is, like to minister to him first. Mm. Like that's, we're born yeah. for that, aren't we? Like our first priority and, and mission and ministry should be to him and, and I know we were saying that earlier, and then life flows from that place. So he used to really challenge me to say, look, it's it's okay to be at home with the kids. I know you want to jump on a plane and go somewhere, but, like, if you just put me first and then today look at, you know, worship me. Worship me with attending to your kids' needs. Worship me and yeah. love me yeah. by, you know, making sure that, your home has food on the table. And, and so, like, in terms of ministry um, and, and and living a life of worship, like, each day, I had to really start to understand what God's perspective was on mm-hmm. what that looks like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And mom and, and, yeah, all of that. So he really expanded out what that looked like for mm-hmm. each day. Yeah. So maybe let's wrap this up and move to the other one, but just just sort of real quick, 
what would help us move forward with this? I, I would say having that vision of, like I say, I'm not, I don't mean some dream day, but just how does God want us to live? What, what should normal look like? You know, I think it's actually good to have that vision and that way at least we can, we've got some goal or measure or something we're aiming at there. I mean, real quick, let's go around the horn, but what are the enemies of this? What are the things that, I mean, Satan is not happy if we do that. So at times there are things that Satan or even ourselves or a mixture of both kind of sabotage that thing. So what are the, so I mean, I mentioned that kind of shame or sin, like in a way sin, sin doesn't, shame doesn't usually make you run towards God. It makes you hide from him in the garden, doesn't it? So the, if we have shame in our life, we're not going to spend time with God. We're going to spend time sewing fig leaf ensembles. So, but what else is the, I mean, I think, Kylie, you said that thing about, I don't think you use the word busyness, but saying no to things, like just actually making commitments that we shouldn't be making. Okay. You know, they're just, they're not bad. They're just not, like not being able to say no. Yeah. That's a, what other things, what are the enemies of building a relationship with God? I think um, anxiety. I mean, I know it's... Yeah, but yeah. When you just, you just, yeah, it's yeah. just the anxiety you can't really explain and that sometimes can push you away when we should be pressing in and mm. um, the anxiety yeah. of life, the anxiety, can I do this? Can I balance work? Can I balance ministry? And um, I think that can really take a... a a hold of someone's life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I can relate to that. I think we're. I think when we're going through most of the challenges we go through are people challenges, aren't they? Pretty much. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's the money things, snow, and you know, different things are going to hit us. But usually, most of our things are people things, and it's hard to. It's hard to ignore those things. They tend to sit there in your heart, kind of like chattering away. And I think so often they get in the midst of. Um, you know, I, I know for me that that affects my relationship with God in a way that it shouldn't. I know ideally I should I should it should be like a file. I just move something forward and then put it away and close the drawer and whatever. But it's sometimes those things are like ongoing. What else hinders us? I think the thing you talked about before with the perfection versus the good. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, that could be hindering for us to even start. Like, you know, yeah, having the big picture rather than okay, let's distill this down to what it looks like today. Like first step, you know. So yeah. Sometimes things are too big or too overwhelming, and you don't even know. Like, yeah, no, I, I yeah. I think sometimes we also have a. I mean, help me, guys, this, but. Sometimes we have an idea that we're looking for some emotional payoff when we spend time at God. Like we want this euphoric, like wow, experience. And obviously, we're for those, not against them. God wants us to have those sometimes. But if we sometimes we're guilty of judging the efficacy, we're judging the fruitfulness of time with God by how we feel about it. So in one sense, if we're like not really okay, I didn't get much out of that. Um, I mean, don't I, I think I, I think I had to learn that with worship. Where I, th- I don't think the goal of worship is to get something out of it. I think the goal of worship is to put something into it. Yeah. And when you consistently come and put something into it, you will get something out of it. Yeah. 
I mean, without going down this path too, like I, I think I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Maybe this is a X-rated podcast, but like even sort of relationships. Let's talk about physical, appropriate marital, physical relationship. If people are looking at those as like, what do I get out of this? If you've got two people actually trying to love each other and bless each other, that's something beautiful. But when somebody's looking like, what do I get out of? If two people are looking at anything, saying, what do I get out of this? it's like they're both trying to steal from each other and that's just weird and wrong in a way and I, I think at times we're doing that with God unconsciously saying like well I didn't get much out of this half hour with him but I think if we actually come saying Lord I just want to sit here. I want to bless you I want you to go away thinking like wow I really the Mary of Bethany she didn't come saying what what will this release in the room she was throwing everything at his feet and I think there is an overflow there so yeah. Uh, any last thoughts on that, guys? Building a... That's really good. That's really, really good. I, th- I think as well it's good to it's good to take stock at times and see where we're at with that, isn't it? And to actually... I think sometimes... like We were talking earlier about accountability with these things where I think nobody wants us like uh, out of some guilt thing, like some box you've got to tick. But occasionally it's good self-accountability or to have other people. I mean, part of the... You know, John Wesley was this crazy revivalist, but the, the the church he started were the Methodists, and they'd followed the method. And in a way, it was sort of religious, but it was every week they'd have to gather and answer a bunch of questions. And they were pretty rad questions. They were, have you spent time? Have you sinned this week? You know, have you in word or thought or deed? And but it was like they they'd sort of say, if we're going to walk with God, we need some process, some methods, some checkups, and, and there's, I think yeah. there's some truth in that. So I think having a stock taken inventory at times and seeing where we are, and have we slipped, like are we, are there things we used to do that we don't do anymore, that we've got out of, mm. you know, out of habit, out of sync? Um I know. I, that, that, I need. I need to do that really regularly. Anyway. It's a good point. I mean, we need each other to encourage each other. We need each other to encourage each other. This is not a walk to the alone. That's for sure. Yeah, I've got to build habits and build habits that serve us rather than hurt us. But, um, Hey, why don't we shift gear a little bit and talk about this, the kind of other thing we said we talk about, the how to get into ministry or pathway into ministry or some of the implications of that. So any, let me ask you guys, any questions on that? What would your or somebody else's, what would typical questions on that be? Any starting point for that topic? I would say I would say uh, so same. I was talking on Saturday morning and 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 uh, we were asking uh, asking ourselves. Uh, you do uh, you do have a, mi- a desire for ministry. Uh, you do have a desire for ministry, but you don't know if it is God's desire for your life. How do you define how much you should follow this desire and work on this desire, and how much do you? How much do you te- you test what you desire, and how much do you, do you, do you understand? How, yeah. How can yeah. you how can you really know that it's God's desire for your life? And oh, that's an uh, easy one. It's, it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is actually. I'll listen in. Give me a hard one here. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think the I mean the answer to that though is obviously I think 
the things that flow into our heart. I mean, in one way, I think we should all be aware of what's like flourishing, what's blooming in our heart, our, our hope, our vision, our desires, things. <clears throat> and then at the same time, we've got to be doing that, both the repentance thing and the pressing into Jesus. So, but my point is, any, any bad desires in me, when I'm living a life of repentance, of worship, of pressing into Jesus, every time I'm trying to import those things that Jesus doesn't want into the center of my relationship, I'm going to have this pushback. I'm going to know, like, everything that isn't from God, there's, like, there's tension and there's, it's pushing away from the presence of God. Everything that is from God pulls you nearer into God. So if, you're, if you've got some desire to do something, you've got a desire to be a rock star and God really doesn't want you to be a rock star. Every time you're in the secret place and walking with him and you're trying to bring rock star thoughts in there, your heart, you know, the, the Jesus who says he loves you is also going to be like, I love you, but like, okay, thing like that. And the things that are from God are going to pull you nearer into him. So... I think the challenge with that is when we, if we try and work those things out as an abstract problem on our own, it's like we're not that close to the Lord, and then we're looking at Rockstar, and, and we're trying to discern outside of relationship with God. I mean, if you're in a, if I'm in a relationship with my wife, <laughs> hopefully, and uh, if she doesn't like something, there should be a problem if I'm not even noticing that and that I keep talking about it. And there can be at times where I may not be sure about something, but the more I spend time with her and the more I kind of bring that idea by a Mustang into our relationship, the more I'm going to find out what she really thinks. What she really thinks. Uh, so I, I would say that's a relational answer we need, not a... <laughs> not a uh, highly. Um, <laughs> That's a bad example. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think there are things God loves for us, things God tolerates, things God is against. So, but I, I, I honestly don't. My point is, anybody who tells me they're walking close with Jesus and they don't know whether something's God's will or not, I think they should just keep asking Him and keep pressing in. So, um. So uh, let me throw a few thoughts out of the stars. So, I mean, number one, we're all called by God, aren't we? And I think, like you said earlier, we're all called by God. We're not called to do, we're called to be. So we're called to be his children, be in fellowship with him, be planted in the vine, flourish, have the life and the love and grace of Jesus flowing through us. Every Christian is called to do that. So our call is to be, not to do. Yeah. First truth. Second truth, I think God calls all of us to do things. So all of us have gifts and gracings and things that he wants us to change about the earth. He wants all of us, I believe, to give the gospel away and to be a blessing to others and to, you know, those things we are called to do. Uh, everybody. I mean, I'm oversimplifying that, but I would say there's a third kind. I think there are specific people who have a call of God on their life to serve the body of Christ in a way some others don't. Like I'd call out the Ephesians 4.11 Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher Group. And I just think they, in a way, it's like they get double duty to the call to do everything everybody else is. But I think part of their call is to help everybody else into their call. So everybody's got a call, uh, but there are some people who have a specific call to help others with their call. Makes sense. That would be my theology on it. <laughs> um, 
I mean, how do you get into it? I, again, I think kind of that question you were asking there, we should be noticing what's in our heart. I think we should be, you know, aware of, were, what's, have you seen that movie Chariots of Fire? Yeah. Great movie, isn't it? Yeah, I've seen the movie. Oh, we need to watch that movie. You've seen the movie. It's amazing. I've never seen it. Amazing. Oh, we've seen that. That's oh, a really great really movie. Really good movie. You've seen Chariots of Fire, Kylie? Yeah. Very 80. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, it's a really great movie. It's about the Olympics in about 90, in Paris, isn't it? About 1920 ish? 1921 or something. But uh, anyway, there's a guy who's a missionary, kind of Scottish, quite religious, but really loves God, Scottish missionary. But he's also an amazing runner. And he's running for the British team. And there's a, but there's a point in East when somebody like says, oh, You're a missionary, you shouldn't be competing in the Olympics. And he said, When I run, I feel God's pleasure. Amen. So I think we should find out where we feel God's pleasure. Like I think what are the things we do that God is smiling on? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I would say like there's a bunch of circles in our life. So there's the, I mean, it's what God wants is this big circle. There's a circle of where we feel his pleasure. There's a circle of what our gifting or gracing or anointing is. Like what are the things God has gifted us to do? Um, I think there's a circle of what are the needs we see. Like I think sometimes we find, sometimes I think we can retro-project our calling by the needs we see. So if somebody's called to make disciples, they're going to come into a church and go like, oh my God, people are flaky here, they really need to make disciples. If somebody's an evangelist, they're going to come into the same thing, like with souls, we've got to win souls, you know. Somebody's like really pastoral, they're going to come in and like, we just need love and community and, and you know, like, that's sort of the lens through which they see something. Um, somebody's creative, they're going to come in, oh, this is boring, let's write a new song or do something new, or, you know. Um, so I think sometimes looking at what we see, like if you think about it, in churches there are four people, four groups of people, okay? There are initiators, there are enablers, there are resistors, and there are the clueless. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true. So initiators start things. They're like the spearhead. They break through. The something needs to happen here, and I'm gonna church needs to be planted. Boom, boom, boom. Um, you know, they're like the arrowhead. Enablers usually aren't that great at starting something, but they're called to come alongside. They're like the stick that the arrowhead goes, and they'll sort of say, like, "You're called to do that, and you need me to help raise some money, or help be there, or help like boom, boom." Enablers, resistors are those who actually resist and you know, frankly, stop what God is doing and the clueless don't even know what's happening. (laughs) I think the goal is to get the first, the last two into the first two category. But uh, my point is is by people actually, here's what I'm actually trying to say. Sometimes the most critical, annoying people, let's say in a church, what they're critical of is the very thing they should be doing something about. It's actually God's call upon them but they haven't yet figured out they need to do something. Like when Moses is in Egypt, he sees the Egyptians oppressing the Israelis, so he kills a soldier. But it's actually he's actually trying to fulfill his call, but he's trying to do it on his own strength, rather than realizing that God had a way for him to do it. So I think seeing what do we see, what's the need we see, is a great way of finding what your calling is. Um, and Alan... What others see? Yeah. What others see in us? Um, any other thoughts on that? So finding your calling. 
I think we should be willing to try a bunch of things as well. I think that's really good, especially with younger Christians. Like try, try a million things and then see which ones are a good fit and which ones are like, okay, I'm willing to do this, but it's not my. There's no grace on it. <laughs> Joel, like. Try and live your, your country and your family and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a good sounds thing. like fun. It sounds like a really mm-hmm. lot of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> it works. It's good. It's amazing. We're going to switch. Yeah. yeah. I feel like some people also ask, what What are the qualifications? What do I need? Yeah. You know, that's also mm. another question people ask. That's a great question. Do I need yeah. to go get a theological degree? How do I get qualified mm-hmm. for what I want to do? Yeah. I, my biggest struggle with this, I really don't get this, is that I feel, I feel there's like people who know the call to do something, but they try and get the, their own way. And then when somebody else comes along and says, you, you're trying to go to Boston, why are you headed west? They like get all angry and, okay. And then, like, I, I think there's a great wisdom in, let's say, if you're called to do something, spending time with other people who are a little bit further along the path and not following everything they do, but actually, I could just save in time by saying, what are the things I should invest in? What are the things I don't need to invest in? And what, what will help me move along in that journey? Rather than, I just feel there's a lot of, maybe it's a stream of Christianity. It's a charismatic thing in a way. But I feel there's lots of people who are kind of getting older and get really frustrated that they haven't, they never step into this great calling that they know they have. But they never actually, it's like they're trying to do it their way and their way doesn't work. Does that make sense? Or any? Yeah. You push back at any of these, or <clears throat> like I do actually well, think. That's a good point of like identifying people who are further along or are in that ministry area that they're mm-hmm. interested in. Just being able to shadow and spend time and yeah, yeah, try it out. Or even just learning from the mistakes of others as well, and what. Um, like, I just think it's time is so precious, we can waste it by doing things which don't get us anywhere. Or, um, so, I think uh, asking for wisdom in that thing is good. Um, I'd, I'd actually think, I think one of the biggest blockages is we actually get too spiritual about our calling. Like, I think, um, let's say somebody wants to do something in, in ministry or whatever. I actually think having really honest pithy, practical, financial training, like conversations, like, okay, here's where I want to be, how do I get there, um, who needs to help me get there, what do I need to acquire, what do I need to let go of, just, I, I think at times, I see people being kind of over-spiritualizing things, being, tr- trying to be too, like, well, I've got a prophecy, and in God's time it will happen, or, um, you know, just actually not being practical. Yeah. I remember once somebody asked Sean Boltz, who is one of the most prophetic people I've ever seen on planet Earth. Like I've never seen yeah. him, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like I really like I'm impressed with him prophetically. I think once somebody asked him, I'm probably misquoting this, but some kind of question like, "What is it you look for in young leaders or people?" And he he, he basically gave this answer that says it has nothing to do with the prophetic. He said, "I'm looking for people who are self-starters and self-managers." And uh, 
and and also people who have a vision of where they want to go and they can be honest about how do we get there and things like that and i my point is i think somebody was i think somebody expected him to give this answer like about hearing from god and that and he's basically saying it's actually often ministry comes down to a lot of really practical things that uh that determine success or failure um yeah i think he also said and that's so true as well that I think so often in ministry, people get into this thing of blaming others or feeling like I wasn't given a chance or uh, nobody opened a door for me or, you know, rather than like when, I mean, we all, we can all play the victim card, but God's not interested, is he? You know, that's mm-hmm. not like ever a, a thing Jesus deals with, really. He loves us. He has compassion on us, but he's never, you know, we can never blame others for where we are not even though it's objectively true. Other people, there will be people who help us, there'll be people who look on, there'll be people who hinder us, but we're never the victim of other people. So I think having that attitude is really helpful. Can I ask you, I mean, when you were a young lad, you asked, but going into ministry um, as a team, and I mean, did you have people around you who recognised things and said, hey, come along, how did you even know at such a young age that this is what you want to do for the rest of your life? Um, and is there a way of counting the cost, at, you know, like being prepared in, in terms of, okay, if, if this is really what I want to do, maybe it comes back to the saying yes and no to things. Because if you say yes to something, you're obviously saying no to something else. So um, getting into ministry... Was there a way at your young age of even knowing some, some of those practicality, like the questions you're asking now? Yeah, yeah. Is, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, th- I think. What did I, you know at, at, what did you, what do you know yeah. now that you didn't know then at, at a young age getting into ministry that could be helpful for someone? I mean, okay, three questions. I think the second one, I mean, the first, I think I knew from the death second I got born again that God had called me, like it was always sort of there and in my heart. And so for me, that was never a, it didn't sort of, never really question that, the calling piece. I think the last question, the cost, I, to be honest, I look at it more, what's the cost of not doing God's will? Right. Like I, yeah. I, I think, I mean, look, I think God sets all of us up this way where he says to get where to get into my will, you've got to be willing to give up everything and do that. But once on the other side of that black hole, the event horizon kind of thing, there's blessing and there's so much. So I know for me, there was a time God came to me and said, you know, give up your apartment, your money, your clothes, whatever. I slept on the floor. But but I'm also I think I'm ridiculously blessed. So. I don't think there's like I would I would look at any other life and think like why would I want to be doing that? I genuinely think yeah. that. Uh, I mean, for me, when I was eighteen, I went and worked with a, an evangelist. I mean, in a way, I did what I was saying. Like I knew I wanted to be an evangelist and travel in ministry, so I I would I, I actually prayed, prayed, did the Mark eleven twenty four thing, and said, Lord, put me with the person you want me to be with, so I can learn. And I travel with this Canadian evangelist for a couple of years, and. I, but I'd also be asking him questions every day. I'd be like, why? How? I don't understand. Stupid. I don't really just like constantly be pulling on and learning. And um, uh, so I, I sort of think that's God's m- method of training people more than, I mean, the value of studies, like Joel's doing that, right? some 
there's some objective value in academic studies, but I think God's best method is like a Paul or Timothy thing or a, an apprenticeship. Or so that was my best Bible school thing by spending time with somebody who is doing what I wanted to do. Mm. And uh, I, mean, I, w- I would say the benefit in there as well is you learn all the things that it's really hard for anybody to teach you, especially in, like how to deal with how to deal with a different pastor every day or how to deal with different settings or, you know, the, the unwritten things, the, yeah. the things not to talk about, the, you know, just the, the unwritten things. So, uh, but that, that was my... Around you. I was just going to say, did you have people around you who really wanted to encourage you in that or did you get opposition? Um, question yeah i don't i don't think i listen you know who are interested who made you feel like yeah um you know i was part of a really awesome church in the uk they sent me to work with the assemblies of god which is kind of where i started off things for a year but then the church i was in had this big implosion and kind of fell apart for a season so i didn't have those people around me which was a kind of a bad thing in a way i'm not sure it's a fault thing but it wasn't wasn't good but uh any other thoughts questions you guys have on all this stuff or no, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i don't talk because i'm just thinking too much yeah. it's really I, good. I, I think what i'd say to anybody i'm upset to you guys especially anybody listening like especially with the kind of job or career or this sort of place there i think being like ridiculously brutally honest and having those conversations um like i just feel people try to be try to be too spiritual or too timid and don't have the really honest questions that they would do in a like i'll give the example of Stu kelly's husband and he's, you know he's working in hr kind of thing so i'm actually saying as somebody who wanted to work in the firm Stu was working or whatever if somebody came for an interview or they're talking about the career, it wouldn't be like, well, we'll pray about it and see what, you know, you'd actually be having honest conversations about it. And I, I just think at times people don't, don't do those and then get frustrated. I mean, it, it would be like, like imagine a couple meet each other and start dating. And then there's, there's a time that's really nice. But after, after probably a few months, there's a place where rightly they should be thinking, where is this going? And if after two or three or four or five years they're sort of dating, there might be a place to say, "What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, where is this? Is this actually going somewhere, or is it not?" And but for some reason in the church world, people will come there with these vague, fuzzy ambitions or thoughts or desires, but never actually put them on the table. Um, so, what so. are a couple of honest questions you think are good for people to ask? I mean, it's a couple of examples. I would say for a start, if anybody's called, I'm talking about more what we classically call ministry, like full-time ministry or being paid ministry or whatever. I think there's a danger in people thinking when when I'm given a place or a salary or a job or whatever, I will start doing X, Y, Z. And it's the other way around, isn't it? I think in a way they should start doing it first. Like we had some, let's say we have somebody in the church here in Sturbridge who feels they're called to be a full-time evangelist. I think the biblical answer would be, well, why don't you go out every Saturday and win souls? And when we 
actually see that. I mean, really quick, if I had somebody who was called and gifted in evangelism and every Saturday they spent three or four hours of their time winning souls and every Sunday brought a new person in, I'm going to be chasing them down going, could I pay you to win souls? I mean, like, please, like, could I, would you work for me one day a week and then can we make that two days and four days and that sort of thing? But I, I think the danger is, I'm just using that example of somebody saying, when you pay me, I will go and do this. Mm. And there's like the cart before the horse thing going on, isn't there? So I, I would say for everybody, our ministry is a bit like a, like a seed you plant in the earth. And there's a time where you need to water it and let it grow. There's a time you need to protect it. Maybe put a little stick there so the little plant grows. But there's a time when there's a kind of crossover time when it can begin to, it doesn't need the protection anymore. It can, you can lean on it and then it will feed you and then it will feed others. But I think we've got to learn to grow something. Um, so I think there's that danger in people, again, people not having those questions. Um, I think kind of the finance thing as well, where I think people have just got to be really honest and pithy and realistic about the finance thing and actually say, like if somebody came to me and said, I feel I'm called to do this and this is what I feel I should be paid. That's, that's awesome. I mean, that's actually a fun conversation. <laughs> but then you can actually then go, okay, how would we do that? Are you worth it? Are you, is there, is there a need for that? Um, how can you, what would be the pathway for getting you from where you are now to that place? Um, like, like, I'll just give you an example. When I came here to the church I'm in now, Sturbridge, they, they basically said to me, we've got a, an old house next door and hardly any money we could pay you. And I had a conversation. My conversation with them started by the end result. I said, what do you think a senior pastor should be paid? I mean, I literally got on Google and said, let's all look. And we Googled. I said, I want you to Google what a headmaster's paid, what the chief of police is paid, what the fire department thing paid. We just like, and really quickly, everybody came up with a figure that we all look like and said, that's, that's what a professional in this community, not the rich guy, but also not the guy flipping the burger in mid well, what can we pay? And, and I then said, let's just set it in writing. And I said, it's, I, I will come and work for virtually nothing and have the house and I will build the church up. But when, when the money's there, then let's not renegotiate the agreement. And I, in a way, let's say, here's the goal, but let's be willing to start where we are. But I wasn't coming in saying, you, this church owes me that. Rather, I will produce that. And then everybody's happy kind of thing. So, but I, I think anybody can have that conversation. I think anybody with anything they're called to do can come and say, how do I, how do I get in? Here's where I'd like to be. And I'm willing to work my way into that. Yeah, Any questions on that one? I think where, where that goes wrong, though, if people go radio silent and then they kind of get resentful or feel like I'm owed this or I'm... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe to close this down, to, but I, I think there's also a place in churches where, by definition, all of us do kind of volunteer things and things that we are serving in. And I think the danger at times is people look at what they're doing in a kind of volunteer hat and sort of get resentful they're not paid for that um rather than actually coming and having that hard conversation and saying uh would you be willing to pay for me pay that um you know again hard conversations i think i put a tweet out the other day something like you can measure 
Well, you measure how successful you are by how willing you are to have hard conversations in life. Mm. Yeah. So, boom. We begin to wrap this up. Any other thoughts on this stuff, guys? That was good. So, my advice to anybody who want to be in ministry would be have have conversations, talk, ask, make a list of questions. Um, I remember a few years ago when Leah and I, we were in America on an R1 visa. When we wanted to get a green card, I had to go and see an immigration lawyer. I remember sitting down. I wrote down every conceivable question I would have for this lawyer. It was like, I'm going to be there in her office, and I'm paying a lot of money. And I was like, but I've literally spent a week or two assembling all my questions. And I would say if somebody wants to be in ministry, that would be a good way of doing it, like writing down all of the things, thoughts, questions, and working through them. Boom. Just going off of that, like personally, um, I think it's really important to not be afraid to speak about your dreams and your passions yeah. in the church. And I really do believe yeah, yeah. people will listen and you just have to take that step of faith just to say, hey, this is on my heart and this is the t- kind of ministry that I believe I should be doing. Yeah. And that's yeah. Like almost like the, one of like the first steps. That really is, yeah. I mean, I'm going to close this down, but I, I'd also say there are places, like I've seen, I mean, for me, I, I have no, I think God wants to use women as much as men in ministry. I don't have this gender distinction thing, but to be honest, I've seen people in churches where they don't believe God uses women in the same way as men, and they're staying in that church out of a sort of misplaced sense of loyalty, and the problem is when they need to have those conversations like the one you talk about, it's never going to work, because theologically they're in a completely different place there so um sometimes being with being willing to leave love people not burn bridges but actually be with people who believe the same things is really important as well uh like it saddens me for young ladies let's say especially when they hit those walls there simply because they're in the wrong context Mm -hmm.